find you in the desert to the sand is holy ground lord regardless of where we are in our life no matter where we stand physically geographically lord you are faithful and you are good and you take care of your children lord you are good to us and you are kind to us and you are patient to us lord forgive us lord for being spoiled and growing proud before your holy throne O oh god Lord, we are tired and we are weary and we are in need of your touch 
Holy Spirit, at this very moment right now, as we are now about to transition to the message, may we turn to you with humility. Lord, may you speak to us. And you are always speaking to us, God. But the problem is that, God, that we have too many walls and we have closed our hearts. Therefore, Lord, you have hardened our hearts. Lord, I pray you will soften up our hearts. Forgive us, Lord, of our rebellion and of our pride. Lord, transform our hearts here today. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts. For those who are listening here today, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O God. For we give you all the glory and all the honor. And we declare today, you are our rock and our redeemer. Lord, here we are in the desert. And we are here to hear your voice. And here we are surrendered to you. Lord, you are our God, our King, and our friend. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. In God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. We are still in the war series. We are in part nine. And the title of today's message is The Fearless Christian. The Fearless Christian. I had a, a different, an alternate title in mind, uh, which was The Fearless Prayer. But let's talk about the personhood, the individual, who we are and who I am before the Lord. God calls me to be a fearless Christian, the fearless Christian. Not the cowardly Christian, not like the cowardly dog, like the cartoon, but we are called to be fearless, courageous before the Lord. Amen and amen. Amen. Ephesians 6, verse 19 to 20 we have finally moved on from verse 18. And again, we're in the series of the armor of God, the war, part 9. And it says this. Paul, he says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the, God, the mystery of the gospel. For which... I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Amen and amen. Amen. Twice the word prayer, pray. Twice the word fearless is mentioned as he ends this theme of the armor of God. And I would say that's very important when Paul, whenever there's a word that's repeated in the, in the Bible, in the scriptures, it is very important and it is a warning and it is an encouragement to us to remember what the Lord is trying to say to us. We talk about it all the time. We tell our friends, we say, I want to hear the voice of God. I want to listen to the voice of God. I want to hear what the Lord wants to say to me. If you want to listen to his voice, if you want to hear his word, go to the scripture. And here it says, pray fearlessly, pray fearlessly. And in between that and after that is the action, is the personhood, is who I am before God, and it's what I do. It's not just about your intention, but it's about your action. Your action is just as important as the intention and the heart. Because we don't live in a world where we are able to read each other's minds, Therefore, out of the overflow of the heart, 
We do and we act and we show. And that's how we keep harmony in the Christian body. Here, Paul, again, he says, pray fearlessly. For what? He's talking about accountability. Pray for me. There is no sense of pride here. If Paul was so proud, oh, I am the greatest of the apostles, I am the greatest missionary alive, I wrote most of the New Testament, he wouldn't say, pray for me. But he has the character of Christ, the humility, just as mentioned in the book of Philippians, to imitate, to have the mind of Christ. For what? When he speaks, his actions, the words that come out of his mouth. For what? So that he can be fearless. Not so that he can shrink back to the pressures of this world and the earthly pressure and the pleasure of this life. But for what? For one thing. To do one thing is to know the mystery, to make known the mystery of the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel, as you share in the nursing home every month, we tell the individuals, the people there, we tell them the gospel is the good news, and the good news is our life, is our life's anthem, is our hope. It's the only thing that matters in this life. You can have a Nobel Prize, you can have a Purple Heart, you can do all these amazing and great things, and you can be someone who make a lot of mistakes, and who have a lot of shortcomings. But at the end of the day, it's not about what you've done or what you do, but it's about having the gospel and knowing the gospel, living this path of the good news in your life. Just remember the prisoner who died on the cross. He did nothing to gain it. His merit in fact, was the opposite of what was quote-unquote good. He was a prisoner. He was a criminal. Yet right away, by the grace of God, he was invited to paradise with the Lord, for which I am an ambassador in chains. This ambassador is not a crooked individual. Like a crooked politician, when they go overseas, they get whatever they want. They do whatever they want because they're in a place of status and they look down upon people. But as Christians, we are an ambassador. We are representatives. We are stewards of the kingdom of God. And we are a chain. This chain is not a bad thing. It just shows that without Christ, I can do nothing. Only through Christ, I can do all things. Pray. Why? So that he can declare. Again, action. Declare what? The gospel. The good news. As I should. As a Christian, if you can do what it is saying here in these two verses, in these two simple verses, you're a warrior in Christ. And you are an overcomer. And you will have victory. Pray. For what? To be fearless. Pray for what? To be fearless. Accountability. Humility. Depending and holding on to the Lord. and Remaining in the Lord. So let me begin with point number one. Point number one is this. Choose faith over fear. Faith over fear is something that we've heard before. 
And I don't like phrases that we've heard many times before because it just goes from one year to the other. But I want us to truly understand what that means, faith over fear. The underlying basis of each point that I'm going to go over now is always going to be in Christ. Again, that phrase, in Christ, is going to be our life's anthem, no matter what. So whatever we do, whenever we read the scripture, whenever we pray, we do it in Christ. So what do I mean by faith over fear? This is what I mean, that we must not pray for a sheltered life, an easy path, but we are called to be fearless. We are called to be faithful when we are faced with life's turmoils, trials, and tribulations. I'll say that again. What it means to have faith over fear, it means that we don't pray for an easy and a sheltered life as many of us want in the Christian community. But we are called to be fearless, to be faithful when, what is the context here? Is when we are faced with life's turmoils, trials, and tribulations. That's what it means to have faith over fear. But a lot of us, we live this life with fear, with anxiety, and we become victims to the attacks of the enemy. But the scripture teaches us to have faith over fear. So point letter A, pray to be faithful. B, pray to be fearless. C, faithfully pray. D, fearlessly pray. You must do both. And you must be both. Every day we pray to be faithful. Every day we pray to be fearless. And every day we faithfully pray. And every day we fearlessly pray. And we need to have the scent of Christ upon us. Every day as the scent, it goes away. You need to put it on, put it on. So that our scent must reflect the fragrance of what? The essence of Christ, his character, his presence. So as Christians, we must never shrink back from life's troubles. Again, the context is life's troubles, hardships, struggles, tribulations. And no Christian can give up. Why? Because Christ is in us. Giving up is not in our vocabulary or in our dictionary. And we feel like waves have come crashing over us. We understand we are rescued even at the last moment. And all of life's shipwrecks, storms, and waves, the Lord rescues us. This is what Jonah prayed in Jonah chapter 2. Jonah, the stubborn Jonah, right? Some people call him the racist and the hating Jonah. And as he tries to deter and go in a different path of what the Lord called him to do to the people of the Ninevites, the Ninevite people. It says here, as he tries to escape the Lord's plan. Let me just read it for us. He is caught in the belly of the fish. He is faced with a storm. He gets thrown into the water. 
Again, water is my biggest fear, right? The ocean. I hate the ocean. How do you... I don't know. Titanic? Why? Inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. And he is hopeless. He thinks his life is over. But he still has faith. From deep in the realm of the dead, I call for help, and you listen to my cry. You heard me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your ways and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots, the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life off from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love from them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah unto dry land. What was the context? Trials, tribulations, waves, storms, darkness. But Jonah humbled himself and he prayed and the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah onto dry land. Land there, it means safety. It means salvation. That's what we say. Christ is our solid rock. Rock upon which we stand. The foundation. Even in the New Testament, we see it, that theme of salvation, faith over fear, is echoing throughout all of Scripture. Sometimes we're on a boat, not on a solid ground, and we will be in the midst of a storm. We'll be right smack in the middle of the storm. And then Jesus tells the disciples, we're going to the other side, and they get in a boat, and Jesus is tired. And I remember this scene vividly because, again, I had the honor and the blessing back in seminary to be able to visit this site, being on a boat, just imagining what the disciples were feeling in the midst of the storm. They're on a boat. Jesus is tired. We know this because he goes to sleep right away. He's sternly sleeping. Shortly after, he's sleeping, quietly sleeping. And all of a sudden, a huge storm hits. And again, what's the nature and the default of the human emotion is we are afraid. We have fear. Because we are no longer in control. We're not, in a, we're not on a foundation. We're on a boat. We're like fish on dry land. This is not what we are meant to be. And they're afraid, and the fact that they are expert fishermen, remember this, they were fishermen, they're experts at sea. And it shows the severity of the storm just by them being afraid. The scripture, Matthew 8, 23, 27. There are many other versions in Mark and Luke, but let's take a look at Matthew's version. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. 
Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And all those are saying, how can he speak to nature like a person? And as a pet, they listened to him, to his voice, to his commands. He must be the son of God. He must be God. And he is God. The storm is so big that they have no choice but to wake up the teacher. These are expert fishermen. They've been at sea their whole life. In the water, on the water. They wake up the teacher and say, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. That's what it says in Matthew's version. But in other versions, it brings about a different perspective. In Mark's version, it says, Teacher, don't you care if you drown? In Luke's version, it says, Master, Master, we are going to drown as if it's going to happen. And what we can find out from these passages is in Mark. Jesus, he responds with you of little faith. In Mark, he says, do you still have no faith? And then Luke, where is your faith? And the scripture is given from all angles because it's trying to get to the heart of each individual because all of us, we're in a different stages in life. Which version are you? Are you like Mark? Where, man, I have no faith. Or you like the one in Matthew that we just read. Man, I have little faith today. You have little faith. Or you like the one recorded in Luke. I once had great faith. When Jesus asked, where is your faith? I don't know. I once had it. I had it once. Two years ago, three years ago. Back when I was in middle school. I don't know where it went. I don't know. And the devil catches us. So that he can take a hold of your heart as he did with Judas, little by little, little by little, until he has a firm grasp of your heart and you've come to a point of no return. That you could look at your master face to face and betray him with a kiss of betrayal. And no matter where we are, whether we are like Jonah, called to the Ninevite people, whether we're the disciples called to the other side, whether we're like John, who is the only disciple to not be martyred, meaning not be killed for his faith, to be in an island of Petmos to write the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, with the vision that was bestowed upon him. No matter where God calls us, You are called to be faithful. You are called to be fearless. Not just in your walk with the Lord, but in your walk, in your prayer life. That's what the title, again, the fearless Christian, the fearless prayer. Faith over fear. But it doesn't just come naturally. You have to choose it. It's up to you to choose that path. 
It's not up to anyone else, and no one could choose that for you. You need to make that decision. It is your decision and your decision alone. For God loves us. He gives us the freedom to choose. The question is, are you going to choose faith over fear? Faith over fear. Faith over fear. Point number two. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. That is what a fearless Christian will say and do and will be and will become. Look, we're human beings. We're weak. And that's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes courage so beautiful. Because if there's no fear... If there's no attack, then there's no meaning to someone being courageous. That's why when someone is courageous and they sacrifice, and it requires sacrifice, it is beautiful. If someone were to die in battle, we honor their life. We honor the veterans. We honor those people who fought and gave their life for a cause. And it took courage for them to die and to survive and whatever the Lord calls them to do. But the key is that I can do all things through Christ. And that is what a fearless Christian will say and do. And we're all afraid in the midst of battle. Imagine bullets flying. We're all afraid of death. The end. You have that sense of fear. You hold their hand in the last moment. There are times even in chaplaincy where a person was about to take the last breath. I'm sure as nurses you see those things even in hospitals. And they ask you to pray, 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 pray. Please pray for me. I still have a note from our previous member, Gun. He was so bad, his condition was so bad, he could barely write. He wrote, he couldn't speak, and he wrote, pray for me. Pray for me on a napkin. I'm not here to speak on his life, to influence you in any way or to taint his memory. But when he was here, he did struggle in the way that he viewed God, in the way that he saw the Lord. But at the end of it all, when that last second glimpse of death comes, we hold on to the Lord, just like the prisoner. We hope in him or we reject him. Of course, I'm going to pray for you. And of course, there is hope through Christ because I can do all things through Christ. And we find the message of hope throughout all of Scripture from Adam and Eve. But God gives a promise that out of your offspring will kill and destroy the serpent. 
And that we know that that salvation, that hope was in Christ. That in Christ we can overcome and we can do all things through Christ. Even we see it, the greatest man of God, in the, the greatest man of God, the people who are faithful to the Lord, even they had their moments of doubt when they were afraid. One example is Elijah, one of the greatest men of God, alive. He didn't even face death. God just took him. Him and Enoch, the two individuals only recorded in the Bible who did not face death. And Elijah, he just fights this battle with these prophets of Baal and people who have hatred towards the living God. And then in chapter 19, we see that Elijah is afraid. And he is faced with his arch enemy, Ahab the king, and Jezebel the wife, the prophetess, the evil woman. And it says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. He's like a mama's boy, telling everything, depending on the woman, not leading in the way that he's supposed to. Jezebel, meaning she was in control of his life. So Jezebel sent the messenger to Elijah to say, and we know that she is a powerful woman, because before this, Elijah was not afraid. He was fearless. But all of a sudden, he is afraid. And she sends a note saying, May the gods deal with me be ever so severe. She sends a threat. If by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them, meaning I'm going to kill you. You're my target now. And then it says in verse 3, it should say Elijah was like, Okay, come on, bring it. But what does it say? He says he was afraid. He ran. He ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. Meaning it's not finished, Elijah. You still have to continue and there's more for you in store for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Even when we are at our worst, we overcome, not by my strength, not because I have a strong will or strong mind, but because the Lord called me and he will be the one who will feed me, he will give me, provide me a drink, 
and he will strengthen me, and he will give me rest so that I can continue on this journey. Not by my own strength, but not I can do all things, but I can do all things through who? Through Christ. Again, the key phrase is in Christ. And if that phrase, through Christ, in Christ, is not in your life, you are not a Christian because you overcome in your own strength. Good for you. And that's the, all, all the reward that we will receive. Earthly applause. But what happens with claps? They fade. Even the greatest accomplisher, they stand on stage, you see a musical, or they do an amazing performance. Yeah, people stand and they clap, but how long do people clap? Maybe a minute, two minute, three minute, and then what happens? The clap fades. The clap is done, and the stage is finished. The performance is done. What will you do when there is no more clapping? And that's what happens. We try to catch air and put it in our pocket. We try to save it. It's meaningless. At the end, it flees. It's gone. It evaporates. And we understand as Christians that even when we're at our worst, we overcome and we can overcome. That's what Paul says in Philippians 4. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be what? To be content. That's the key, to be content. Whatever the circumstances, Lord, nothing more, nothing less, as long as my heart is in line with you, that's all that matters. You could take away everything. I can have everything. I can have Rolexes. I could have mansions, but if I don't have you, I have lost it all, being content. Whatever the circumstances, whether I'm rich, whether I am poor, I know what it is to be in need, Paul says, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. Again, the word content. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in one, I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength, it says. I'll say it again. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. So with that, quickly, let me give you the sub-points, letter A. Learn to be content in every circumstance. B, learn to lean on Christ's power for strength. C, learn to rely on Christ's promise or his promises. D, learn to see from Christ's perspective. What do I mean by that? When I say look at it from Christ's perspective, this is exactly what I'm saying. And it's very simple. When I say see from Christ's perspective, it means this. It means eternal perspective. Eternal. Not worldly, temporary. Not earthly. But eternal perspective. Put on the eternal lens. Eyes. Put on a new set of eyes. 
have eternity in mind. Don't just get caught up in your own little moment here in this life. Because again, it fades. It's gone. It's no more. Lastly, letter E. Learn to share in each other's troubles. And this is the part where we miss. What does Paul say here in verse 14? Yeah, it was good of you, what? To share in my troubles, he says. He says, I can do all this through him, through Christ who strengthens me. And then he says, it's good for you to share in my troubles. As human beings, you are not an island. hundred islands in the Philippines, Brother Enrico, or a thousand islands? I know, I know. I remember that. <laughs> you are not an island. And to want more than that, what God has already given you and has in store for you, to think that if I have this or if this is taken away, then I will be happy. Usually not from the Lord. And if it stands from the pride of life, and usually it does, the pride of wanting more for fame, for success, we must cut it. We must learn to be content in Christ. Because a lot of times to want more in our flesh, not a lot of times, all the time, is not from the Lord. Rather, what the scripture is teaching us, rather we need to learn to do and follow what Christ wants me to do. Now, what I feel like I should do, and we must never make decisions emotionally. Rather, every decision must be screened on the basis of faith. Is this what God wants me to do? Or is this what I want to do? And we must listen to those who are in line with the presence of God, to our faithful friends in Christ, to take heed of their advice. As Paul says here, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know that's not what it says, but that's the one that I memorized. A different version is not a praise where you get a tattoo. Verse 13, and then it's a power phrase for when you look in the mirror. Ah, oh, yeah, I can do powerlifting. Yeah, 500 pounds. Ah. Contact sports, punching, fighting, taking that final shot before the buzzer. Yeah, I can do all things through Christ. Yeah, woo. Philippians, yeah, this is my favorite passage. That's not what it means. That's not what it's for. The context is trials. The context is hardships. The context is persecutions. The context is when you're in the water and there are storms. But when you look, at least the disciples saw Jesus. At least they saw and they relied on Jesus. Some of us were on a Titanic And we're focused on the wrong thing. We don't even see Jesus. Jesus is invisible to us. There is no Jesus in our hearts. But may we see Jesus 
and said, I can do all things. Not period, but continue through Christ. I can do all things in Christ. So when we are faced with life's trials, Christ's power, his presence, he strengthens us to overcome. Because there is always going to be trials. And when these trials are in line with Christ, this path of trial, yes, is hard, but it's blessed. Because it has been set before Christ. There are trials where people, they just make their life hard. There are some people who just, they just love drama. They just like to make things difficult. And they create it. I'm not talking about that. Stay away from those people. Don't get involved. I'm talking about true and genuine trials. Difficulties. For the gospel. It has been set before us before we were even born. A path, a different path. Not a wide path that everyone is walking towards. But a different separate path with gravel, dirt. That trial, that suffering is aligned with Christ. And it is blessed. And that's in that context, Paul here, he's saying, I can do all this through him who gives me strength in verse 13. Chapter 413. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. I can do all things through who? Christ. And lastly, point number three. I will preach the gospel fearlessly. I will preach the gospel fearlessly. And this should be our anthem. This should be something that we do as well. Not just Paul. It's not just a Paul that... Is meant for Paul. We are called to take on this role. If you remember the walking dead, right? I am Negan. I am Negan. They all say I am Negan. Everyone's a Negan. I mean, that's a call that's crazy. But for those of you who don't know what I'm saying, some of you are confused. Like, what is he talking about? Who's Negan? Is he in the Bible? He's an Old Testament character? There's this villain in the show. His name is Negan, and then his followers say, I am Negan. And it's like having the same mindset as Negan. Like, that's what it is. But for us, we need to adopt that truth into our lives as well. I will preach the gospel fearlessly. This is not just for Paul, this is for all of us, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear who have faith over fear, this is for you. And you need to say this to yourself each and every single day. I will preach the gospel fearlessly. But here's a reality check. And here's the warning. We are fake Christians. We're Christian wannabe. A fake Christian wannabe. And we have grown proud, very proud. We look good on the outside. And at church... But there is no ounce of Christ's perfume and scent on us. 
We know that Arlene is obsessed with scent, perfume. <laughs> do you put it on daily or do you just put it once and then, oh, I'm good for the year? Daily, are you sure? Okay, I don't know. You put it on daily or the scent fades. And how can we look at Christ in this Christian journey? Say, okay, I said it once. I prayed once. I'm good for five years now. I'll see you in five years, God. We look holy on the outside, but we reek of the world. It's that scent that will not leave you. You ever go to those fish markets, even after you go home, that smell doesn't leave. You smell where you are. Where you've been. And you reek of the world. And we try to put on false facade of fake, oh, Christian perfume. Okay, for Sunday, okay. And we try to cover it, but it's embedded within our blood. In the pigment of our skin. We can try our best to mask it, to brush our teeth. But we reek of alcohol. Of the world. You lie to get your way. You trick to get your way. We deceive to get our way. And we think it's all good in the hood. All good. All fine dandy. You are mistaken. And here's a truth and a reality check for all of us and for me. And this is what the Lord has been saying and sharing through the scripture and through the study. The Lord sees and he knows all. You cannot hide from him. You cannot run from him. And we saw it through all these different characters that we just, I just mentioned and referenced in the Bible. You cannot run from God. You cannot hide from him. Adam and Eve, they hid right away. That's what we do. We hide. We want to hide. We want to hide. And God is asking, where are you, Adam, Eve, where are you? It's kind of like, you know, like you're playing with like a little kid. They're like hiding behind like, I don't know, that chair. Like you see them clearly right there. They're like, I, I can't see me. They're playing hide and seek. It's like, where are you, Jimmy? Oh, where are you? You know, you're just playing a game. But you know where that kid is. And that's how God treats us. He's asking, where are you, Adam and Eve? Where are you? Because he's testing your heart. He wants you to be honest with him. He's not asking because he doesn't know. He knows. He knows your heart. He knows your inmost thought. Even before a word comes out of your tongue, he knows it completely. He knew you when you were in your mother's womb. There's nowhere to hide. Nowhere to run. So when God asks, where are you? We just need to just surrender and say, here I am, God. Here I am. Sometimes he provides a fish. Swallowed by the fish. I think Jonah had it the worst. I mean, imagine. (laughs) Swallowed by a fish. It's like, please, not that. That's my biggest fear. No, no. Please keep that away. Elijah, I think he got the best one. He got sleep (laughs) and food. He did a little bit of hiking, but... But at the end of the day, they ran. 
They ran and they hid. And we have so many of these people who are in high position. Mr. Kim in the north. <laughs> Xi Zheng, mainland. Or Mr. Who, elderly. I should call him Brandon. <laughs> in America, in this land. All you earthly leaders, you stink with stench, with evil and pride. And lowers the world. You are so proud and you think that you can lie and you can get away with evil. And what God is saying, you are dead wrong. I am a God who is alive. I see all things and I know all things. And all we do is we do only what we want to do. We want to look good. We're presentable. We look good. But when prayer meetings come, silence. We spend all our money on our hobbies. When it's time to serve and outreaches, we are absent. We spend our budgets on the things that we lost after. But when it comes to serving and giving... For the Lord, we close our finances and we think what we have is ours to keep. This is something that I made for myself. But what we need to realize is that all of us, you are all renters in this life. All of you are renting because you are here temporarily. Eventually, you will leave. You will no longer live in that place, in that house, in that apartment. We don't own anything except for our decision. To accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the only thing that you will own. No one else can put on the blood or the Passover, the blood of the Lamb on the doorframe in Egypt. Only you can do that. Only you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's what it means to be a fearless Christian. You take ownership of your faith and you adopt it and it becomes yours. And when you adopt something, it's not something that you borrow. It becomes yours. When you adopt a child, I mean, I hope you don't treat that child like a, you remind them every day, hey, remember? You were adopted? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that kid will, how sad it is to hear that. But when we are adopted into the kingdom of God, he calls us his own. We get his last name and we become his child. A child of God. But a lot of young people in this generation, and I pray for this generation. You know, we have a job, career, and we think somehow we have made it, and that's the end goal. But what we are not realizing and what we're not being honest about is that we are just a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's it. You can mask it with more fur, more perfume. But you are stinking. You stank of the world. Nothing more, nothing less. You can fool everyone, but you cannot fool, the, fool God. You cannot fool the Lord. And here are some random soap points. I just wrote them down. Again, I was assisted by the scripture that I presented to you throughout. 
today's message. But I just wrote down just as it came. Just, you know. But again, guided by the scripture. And letter A is show up. Show up. They say success happens when you just show up. Show up on time. Even if you're late, show up. But show up early. That's better. To do the work for the Lord at a young age is a blessing. Because time, you cannot buy back. Time is linear. It just goes forward and you cannot go backwards. No gemstones, no nothing can go back like the comics and the movies that we see. Once it's done, it's done. Show up. And how do you show up? How you show up is important. You don't show up with attitude and thinking, I got this, and be arrogant and rude to everyone. You show up with humility. Humility. Be. Here I am. You say, here I am, Lord. A willing heart. With willingness. You need to be willing. If you're not willing, there's no chance. For God will not force you. And he will not force you. You need to say, here I am, Lord. Raise your hand. Again, with humility. If you're not humble, you cannot say that. See, use me as you will. We've heard this many times growing up. Retreats. We hear kids say it all the time. Use me as you will. But we don't mean it. You don't mean it. Do you understand what that means? Lord, use me as you will. You got to be willing to go to the belly of the fish. To be in the smack in the middle of the storms of life. Trials and tribulations. Maybe not now, but later, Jesus tells Peter, He asked Peter, do you love me? Three times, and Peter is hurt. This is after Jesus is resurrected. And then what's sad is Jesus points out exactly how Peter's life is going to turn out. You may not know now, but you will. You will be martyred for me. When you're younger, you did whatever you wanted to do. You did what you wanted to do. But now when you're older, someone else will lead you. Who is that someone else? It is the presence of God. He will lead you to do what I want you to do, not what you want to do. And when I read that passage in the past, tears will come because we know as readers how his life will turn out. Peter, he dies what? Crucified, upside down. Legend says he dies upside down because he says, I am deemed unworthy to die in the same manner as Christ died on the cross. So upside down. Use me as you will. Watch Minni, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, for all these amazing men of God who died in prison. Use me as you will. You count the cost. Luke 7, no, Luke 9 and Luke 14. Luke 9 and Luke 14. It talks about the cost of being a disciple. The cost of discipleship. Use me as you will. D. May your will be done. 
taken from the words of Jesus. May your will be done, not my will, but as your will. May the will of God be done in my life. E, I am your servant. I am your servant. In other words, you are my master, and I am your servant, Lord. Humility. F, I am your ambassador. We are all ambassadors of Christ. We are stewards, representatives. Everyone sees us as an ambassador, so what we do matter. What we do will impact a little one. And if our actions impact a little one, it says it's better to put a boat around your neck to be thrown into the ocean and die. And I'm getting very specific here. I've known a lot of worship leaders, pastors. They have these conferences. They bring kids, children. And then later when they grow older or they see, they sneak into a bar or a club or somewhere. And they see these leaders drinking and partying. And they're stinking like the world. You're not an ambassador. You're a fraud. You're a wolf in sheep's clothing. You look good. You speak really well. You know what to say. You know how to deceive and do all these things. But you're not a true ambassador in Christ. You're a faker. But the reality is we need to be careful. Even myself, when I say this, I don't see myself from a position where we are all capable of evil. All of us, and we need to know that. If we're not, if you don't realize we're not capable of evil, then we will commit evil because of pride. To say that I would never be and do what, you know, Japan and Germans, Germany, they did in World War II, you're mistaken. 99% of you will. Because you will follow the crowd, you'll follow the world. Only 1% will be like Boniface, only 1% will be like Peter, Paul, Watchman Nee, who will die for their faith. It's easy to say, but when it comes down to it, it's not easy. Count the cost, the cost of discipleship, Luke 9, Luke 14. G, speak the truth. Is there a lying and deceit in your tongue? You got to speak the truth. Speak the truth of the gospel. H. Pray, pray, pray. Pray always. Pray always. I preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Preach it daily. Preach it to yourself daily. Know why you're here. Know why you go to church. Preach it. Preach to others. Show it to others. Show the love of Christ. The salvation message of the gospel. Get involved with nursing home. Preach, preach, preach. 
and letter J, to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth, meaning we don't give up. K, I should and I will. Even the fact that you can say I should, that's a step forward than I don't or I can't. But some of us, we just stay at I should. The thought that counts, right? It's the intention. But like I said earlier, it's not just your intention. It's your action. You turn your intention into action. I should and I will. It's a command. Not a suggestion, a command. And lastly, going back in full circle, L, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for what? Prayer of accountability. Pray, a prayer of courage. Pray for courage. Courageously pray. Fearlessly pray. As Paul ends it here, Ephesians 6, 19 to 20. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. That's why I put point K. I should and I will. You should. We all should. But we know from Paul's life that he does. It's not, oh, I should. And then open-ended question. Did he? Did he live his life for God? Was Paul a true Christian? There's no doubt in my mind that he was a true disciple of Christ. He did. And we all should. And we will. It's a promise that we make to the Lord. So going back all the way to the title, the war. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in the midst of a war. Yes, you put on the former of God, but you don't just put on the former of God and say, bring it, arrows come, yeah. Just stand there, just getting shot, yeah. See how long you could last. But we got to be wise. We put on the armor. Sometimes we take cover. Sometimes we swing. We throw. We shoot. Sometimes we block. But we cannot do these things when we don't have them on. The fearless Christian is always ready. You always go back for your gear. We don't fight naked. It's like those video games, right? You gather all your energy gathering all those items and yeah, everything, you get the cool guns and customize all of them. And then the developers, they put a scene where they, you get captured or something, and then you're just naked, and you wake up, like, oh, and then you have nothing. Is that what you want? Is that how you finish a game? No, you go back. You got to go get your gear. You got to get it. And many of us, we just want to just, ah, oh, it's too much. Go back. Pick up the pieces. The fearless Christian, the fearless Christian, the fearless Christian, the fearless prayer. Choose faith over fear. 
I can do all things through Christ. And I will preach the gospel fearlessly. Amen and amen. 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 Praise God. Praise the Lord. At this time, I want to invite the praise team to come up. And we're going to close our service with some singing and worship and prayer. And we're going to sing our closing song that we did earlier. Uh, He will come and save you. And I believe that the song is very fitting uh, for this message. Because right away in verse 1 it says, Say to those who are what? Fearful hearted. But what do we need to have? We need to be faithful hearted. Not fearful. Again, faith over Fear, do not be afraid. Why? Not because I am strong, but it says, The Lord our God is strong with his mighty arms. And we call on his name, and he will come and save. And that we say he will come and save you. That's a promise. He will save you to the weary one. He will surely come. He will come and save you. Amen. And amen. So with that, when we're ready, we're going to just sing. And during that time, you can follow and worship. You can pray. You can stand. But let's just be in the presence of God and worship together and pray together. Amen.
brokenhearted never lose your faith as a declaration of our faith let's sing together Yes, Lord, as Paul declared, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And we don't end it there, Lord. We say, Lord, to you today, I will, we will, I choose faith over fear. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. We give you all the glory and all the honor and we thank you for this beautiful reminder just what it means to be a fearless Christian to follow you and we fearlessly pray and God we pray that we will be a fearless Christian. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. Pray all these things. In your precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. 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 And amen. Let's close our service with the path of life in Jesus. Let's sing it just one time through. And we'll close the service with a benediction. Let's sing together.
together. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. And may the Lord shine his face upon you. And now, may the unending pursuit and the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gentle counsel And the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, which surpasses all the knowledge of this world, continue to keep you, guide you, strengthen you, and protect you forevermore. And as God's people, we pray, amen Amen. and amen. Amen. All right, God bless you. I love you. I will see you all in the back. God bless you.